What's going on, motos? It is friggin' Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. On a little bit of an overcast 61 degree <clears throat> morning. It is May 3rd, that's right, April's over. It was good to us, but fuck April, you know? Here we are in the spring, fully now, we got friggin' everything's greening. Look at all these leaves popped. Look at this grass green. Get a little friggin' rainfall over the next day or so. That'd, that'd be great just to friggin' nourish everything, you know? Rainfall throughout the week, that's cool. Oh, a little overcast, that's I'm cool. Sunshine's coming in. Let the sun shine in. I was thinking about doing a game at the office today. Anytime a topic comes up, talking about something, or a word comes up that is um, that we can come up with a song about. Let's say somebody says, uh, "Oh yeah, um, today's." Uh, you know, it's overcast days, and these allergies are really tough on me, I'll say. Um, I've got a song, it's got to be a song that, that has tough in it, right? Tough. Uh, that's not a good example. All right. I like this buffalo over here. Look at that beautiful buffalo chewing on the cud. Chewing on the grass, just took a look at me. Buffalo Springfield. We'll play a song by Buffalo Springfield. Or Buffalo Soldiers. Dread, dread like Rasta. Brought them from Africa to the heart of the Caribbean. How about if somebody said, uh, look at that car, I'd be like, you got a fast car, is it fast enough so we can fly away, you gotta make a decision, I'll get a job as a checkout girl, I know things will get better, <clears throat> or, uh, let's say, let's see what else. Landscapers Road Road Out on the road Trying to loosen my road load Got a world of trouble on my mind Looking for a lover But who won't blow my cover But so hard to find Ah, uh, here we are, another Monday. Monday, Monday. So good to me. Anyway, you get the idea. I'm going to try to do that. Anytime something comes up and a song is recollected, I'm going to get that sucker moving on the friggin' Alexa. 
Anyway, so here we go. Listen, I'm starting to get ruthless. I got a text. I went down to the office yesterday. Uh, early in the evening. Early in the evening. Just about supper time. Down by the courthouse. They're starting to unwind. Right? Now, so, a friend called me. Or text messaged me this morning. And said, I can't. I need to cancel my appointment. Now, this is a friend whom I love very much. And we have spoken about how it sucks when patients will schedule an appointment and then cancel with less than a day's notice. Like, we need to know, or we need to know that, you know, are you okay, first of all? What's going on? And if there's some bullshit excuse or something that's your own problem that's arisen that's your, of your own doing, then you're going to fucking pay, man. So this is somebody who I talked to specifically about these things, and now something's come up in her life where she goes, I said, she responded when I said, are you okay? She said, oh, I just screwed my day up, and now uh, I need to make some changes. All right. So I need to switch some things around. Okay. Well, you do that. You're doing that and I'm paying a price for a problem that you have, you know, now I'm sympathetic, right? I'm sympathetic to your schedule, but you have influenced. Now your, your situation is affecting my schedule. And so that's kind of fucked up, you know? with a couple hours notice, you know, that's, that's a problem for us. Now, if I fill the appointment, and somebody will inevitably call this morning, if I fill the appointment, then I'll waive this. But it was kind of like, hey, remember we were talking about, my response is kind of like not to kick somebody when they're down because something happened this morning. I think she ran out of gas or something. Well, I don't know what your circumstances were that you did not foresee that you would need to fill up your tank. If you're stranded, I'll come get you before I go to work. But if you, if this affects my schedule, in other words, you can't come in and get your treatment that you, or the appointment that you made a week ago, then it affects my schedule, and then, my friend, you owe me, you know, this is not some, you know, I got to hold the line on this, and why, because I'm typically bad at this, I typically eat it, because I'm such a lover, I'm always up everybody's ass, and being nice to everybody, sometimes folks will take advantage of that, now if somebody calls and says, hey, I got an emergency here, I'm not going to make it, then that's fine. You, you got to pay for the appointment time, you know. Then you'll respect the schedule a little bit more, you know. I got a lot of repeat business people that come in because I treat them a certain way, and I'm kind to them, and I'm understanding and accommodating. We're going to balance that out with um, if, if somebody leaves us hanging and there's not some kind of emergency or whatever, they're going to get billed. Fuck it. If you're listening and you're a patient, now you know. 
So um, taking the power back a little bit. So there's that. Okay, next, we got a book review that I'd like to offer you here. I just listened to an audible uh, version of White Fang by Jack London. Now, I listened to this because it was a very influential, important book to uh, the main character in another story, which is Christopher McCandless. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, who's the, the main character from A Walk uh, no, Into the Wild. Into the Wild. So where did he get that from? Into the Wild. Now I realize, having read Call of the Wild, going into the wild is something that the main character in Jack London's book, which was this dog that was kind of a a mixture, a very powerful mixture, one-of-a-kind animal uh, among, you know, uh, that loved its job and was very uh, tremendous leader and, you know, uh, survived many a fight with uh, man and beast and just, the dog's name was Buck. Now, I had a Mastiff, English Mastiff, years ago one of the first and best dogs I ever had, and Buck was tremendous, he was like 180 pounds or something like that, gigantic, and uh, so that character, Buck in Jack London's Call of the Wild, loved to work, had a lot of experiences, and had a lot of bad experiences, a lot of hardship. There was an antagonistic character that was like the lead dog in the in the sled that this is like all happening up in Alaska, up on a tundra, you know, carrying uh, goods around in the north of Alaska, the great north. They did it by sled dogs. And so there was an antagonistic dog named Spitz who would always snap at and try to attack Buck and felt threatened by him, and rightfully so. Buck ultimately had to kill him. They got into these fights regularly and realized this one was going to be to the death. So, and all kinds of other stuff happened. Anyway, the character Buck eventually, after it had had many adventures and pulled his sled all over and saved its, its uh, finally found an owner that was um, that was honorable and loved the dog and took care of it. It took care of him. Now, it saved it in a, in a bar fight, um, attacked this other man who was trying to attack the owner, a character by the name of Thornton, last names, um, supposedly. So, After all these exploits, after all these adventures uh, of Buck, the story's written about a dog, you know. Um, Buck pretty much wins its freedom, right? You know, he, he doesn't have to work anymore. They get set up in a gold camp, and they're uh, panning for gold and doing all that, and the dog just hangs around a camp and 
and periodically starts to feel the call of the wild, like there's something out there, and goes out and and finds another wolf and runs with it and and learns, you know, the wolf shows it around and um, the, the beautiful prose by Jack London, unbelievable, describing this animal's um, call, like being a, a call to be out there and to be truly wild and to be truly a hunter and to be a fleet creature, just, you know, scampering over rock ledges and through ponds and uh, survive, killing prey with such ease and feeling so primal. It, everything was so effortless. It was almost like it was a some imaginary beast. Like it had cat-like, you know, like a black panther or a Tasmanian tiger or something that was just superhuman in its ability to stalk and be predatory. Or like a lion, you know, something like that. So it felt these calls periodically across the story and across the life of the dog. The calls to go, you know, after its missions had been fulfilled as a sled dog, to go out into the woods, into the wild, into the forest and run with the pack and just be a real primal beast. And that's ultimately what it did. You know, it would leave camp and the, the owner just said, ah, dog, don't owe me nothing. Go off and do your shit. The dog would leave for weeks, days and weeks, and go out there and and eventually ran into a bunch of a pack of wolves, a big wolf pack. And they attacked him and tried to kill him, and the dog just fucked everybody up until they just all started taking a seat, literally, and drinking out of the river and one of them howled and buck howled and that's the call of the wild literally there now but the dog had received that that figurative call of the wild right all these years as he was pulling a sled for a man and protecting its owners and fighting amongst its other you know dogs that are basically slave dogs you know they show up with a load of dogs, break the dogs so that they would do their bidding, pull the sled, and um, and the dogs became slaves. And they became like gladiator slaves in a sense because they, they, they once they got in that pack, once they did their job, they wanted to keep it. If they're a lead dog in a pack, strong dog, you know? They didn't want to give up that position. So there's all that stuff going on and a nice story um, with various characters, um, human and dog, very interesting characters, and so what a great story, I really enjoyed it, so this little, little tale there, now I'm going to read, and by the way, these are, for some reason, no complaints, they are, um, Complimentary. These are included in my Prime membership or in my uh, my Audible membership. Just great. 
So I have uh, Man's Search for Meaning, which is an awesome book by a psychologist. I think he's gone now, maybe psychiatrist. Um, Victor something or other. What the fuck's his last name? Anyway, Man's Search for Meaning. The guy was in a fucking concentration camp saw and did a lot of things and comes to some conclusions to some conclusions basically that if you regardless of the stress is placed upon you in the most stressful situation imaginable you can still decide to be free in your mind you can still have some autonomy of your thoughts and what you do in your mind which is something that you know people are trying to do more and more with things like meditation and mindfulness and spirituality, right? But unfortunate or the fortunate byproduct of a situation like this where you've got sorry, a little brain fart there. Very high stress situations is that they can be um, useful in a way, cathartic in a way, because you come to some conclusions, you're put in a spot where you can get results and you can come come to conclusions that you otherwise never would. dealing with the mundane so that's a great book I've read that I think a couple times Victor Frankl's the dude's name so I'm going to start listening to that so every day I'm going to start listening to an audible book or I'm going to be reading a book or I'm going to be doing something to stimulate my mind and to distract myself from the mundane which can conspire to take us for a ride in a direction that we don't want to go. Like for instance right now, I'm refining our house. So this is fairly stressful because it's it's been a pain in the ass, and it's been months now that we've been trying to do this. These things always take fucking forever. To get the rate, to get the documents to the people, to for them to respond. It's always a fucking ordeal. So we're coming to the end of the, the refi for our home, which is going to put us in a good spot, by the way. now I got a fucking a bill the other day for our home mortgage no, our freaking my, my office here in Lansdale and every five years for whatever reason a quote unquote balloon goes up a balloon is like the mortgage goes in five year increments and then you have to redo it 
and you know reestablish the terms. Now, fortunately, the rate that I can get right now is at least a percentage and a half down. What the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this? Okay, my friends, I'm back. <laughs> Bit of a false alarm there as I was pulling up to the office just uh, towards the end of my recording there. I can pause these recordings, by the way, like when I run into the store or whatever. But I can pause the recordings and resume them when I feel like it, but sometimes I lose them. So about 20 minutes recorded on my way into work this morning. Might have sounded a little bit groggy. I was chipper and I had some things to say. It's been a good morning, I'll tell you what. I don't know what what it is. I'm curious as to what has me so high tone lately, so positive. I mean, I always try to be, but um, it's a deliberate effort. But I've found like an, it effortlessly over the past weekend. I felt really good. Maybe it's the sunshine, the vitamin D, I don't know. Some spare time. Some carving I got in, feeling productive. I had somebody mention, as I had posted an image on Facebook of my, uh, this grizzly bear that I carved over the weekend. Put about three hours into it. My friend Barb said, I love when you get into your creative flow. And, and that is, indeed is what it's all about. When I start working on something, you ever work on something you really enjoy, whether you're gardening or doing an art or craft or home repairs or whatever the fuck you're doing, reading, and you just get immersed in what you're doing, they call that a flow state. And it's really, really important to do that, to find that place. It can be elusive. You think about a writer trying to work on their next novel or an artist trying to complete a painting. Sometimes it can be challenging. You know, you don't. You're, it's it's a special thing. The flow state is special because it's elusive. You can't always arrive there. You're not going to always be at your best. It'd be like a I don't know an athlete peaking for a major race or a major event do all this preparation, and then I'm going to get to the point where I'm, I've got everything in place to try to find myself so I can get my best time or put my best work together. And I do, I am able to find that place, that flow state, and I think everybody should find it. You know, on that note, it's similar to flow states. talking to a guy this morning, just about an hour ago, really cool dude, one of my former boot campers, the guy spent his entire working life as a, an accountant, and I'm sure he's very good at that, but it's clear that 
it is not his passion as the case as is the case for so many people you know you have your um, your work life and and it anything you do it enough it gets boring it gets monotonous there's aspects of it that you don't like right so and there's some people who really hate their jobs they hate their work they hate their coworkers they become resentful about the whole deal it just gets old and it's it's okay to admit that it doesn't make you lesser individual you don't have to try to you know lie to yourself that you you love your job very few people do i'm one of the people who do largely because i deal with people and i get to help folks make them feel good and and that makes you feel good so even though there are trials and tribulations every day in the course of my work It's very fulfilling. So, but I've bantered on about that. So this guy was an accountant for however many decades and is probably great at it, but he really got into that area, uh, numbers. He had an interest in mathematics itself. I mean, he's, he scored very well when he took the SATs, you know, four decades ago, five decades ago, something like that almost a perfect score when nobody was doing that and he so he wonders whether or not mathematics itself had he gotten a degree in math and pursued it as a discipline as his work maybe be a professor of mathematics or whatever Would he have been able to contribute far more? Would he have been able to solve some things or work on these big problems? Because he just really loves math. And not everybody does, you know? I've talked about in the past how it was a demon that I had to kill. Just basic math, you know, up to pre-calculus level. It was something that I was never good at. I never really truly applied myself, but I thought it was something like an Achilles heel, something I couldn't do. Well, this guy was masterful at it. So I was talking to my friend about, you know, how he wants to when the when the tax season is over in a couple weeks. It is his ambition to just learn for learning's sake, and I'm a huge proponent of that. You know, that you you seek things out for the sake of learning. Like, I, it sucks when you're in formal education all these years. It sucks to be, you know, studying things and, oh, uh, teacher said we got to do this and submit this. Nobody wants to do things when they're told to do it, right? We want to do what we want to do. We have our own goals. And when you, when you tell somebody that, uh, we, I want you to do this, I want you to be a very successful wrestler and you're always taking the kid to, to, uh, practice and camps and tournaments and the kid just want to play, wants to play video games every now and then, or kid wants to, maybe wants to play another sport or, you know, might be interested in something. If only that they had the time might have an interest in, in some other discipline, but when, when you feel compelled to do something, uh, by society or by whatever constraint, maybe it's, again, it's something that your, your 
parents or your teachers, somebody has an expectation that you toe the line on this, and this is how, this is what you got to do. That's the fucking last thing you want to do, right? So this guy seems to hate accounting. So it's the same thing every every year. It's not. It's it just becomes monotonous. But he does feel strongly enough about math that he wants to revisit it and take some courses and and so I point him in the direction of Coursera which is something that I have mentioned before Coursera is an online uh, platform that where major universities and experts in various fields will teach history or will teach music or science whatever any discipline they even got a bunch of personal uh, development stuff on there like meditation and um, you name it alright get the fuck out of the way Peter Flagger forcers. No disrespect, but get the fuck out of our way. So, um, so Coursera. Uh, it's an f- online platform. It's largely free. I mean, there are courses that you can get certificates in. Let's say it's in your computer geek. You can go on there and you can might maybe get some um, certificate for passing a course that has to do with some kind of training or or program. I don't think they do not hold degree programs on there yet. But what they do is you can go, what I've done is you can take a course you like, open it up, you know, apply for it and say it starts at this particular time. You don't need to be there on the first day of class. You do whatever the hell you want and take it when you feel like taking it. And you don't need to, you can just watch the video lectures And quizzes and tests, you don't need to do that shit. You're just learning for learning's sake. You're just browsing all this stuff. I mean, what's better than that? To actually learn something? That's unbelievable. So I recommended this guy, and he wrote it, pulled out his phone while I was talking to him. He's face up on the table. He said, all right, I will, um, I'm going to try this out. So he's going to check out Coursera. It's free. You can put your email in. Every once in a while, they'll send you something, you know, an announcement about a new course, or if you like this, maybe you'd like this. And it's it's not a spamming, like the spamming that we see every freaking day in our email box. This is something you might actually want to look at. So, um, guy's going to check out Coursera. I love that, man. I love that when somebody... genuinely interested in something like I've discussed about my children here they are they're coming to the end of the semester and it's been tough you know they've been virtually learning and all that and they don't seem to like school I want to tell them like when school's out I want them to to read something I want them to I want to take them to the library I'll order as many books as they want read something you like fiction you like nonfiction. what are you interested in this might be some things you don't even know that you're interested in. You don't know until you experience them. 
I never, I, I cannot stand to hear when people are, uh, you know, they, they're turned off to learning. They don't like, you know, they want to do some mindless shit. Like, use your mind, understand things. Uh, you have any interest, even the beginnings of interest in whatever, math, science, art, pursue it. You know, open up a book, listen to a podcast, listen to an audio book, watch a video. You know, there's so many different platforms and so much information out there. A lot of it is good, is useful, is sound. Yes, there's a lot of crap out there too, and you have to dodge it. You have to learn how to dodge it. So, like I said earlier, I listened to in a couple days. I listened to White Fang by Jack London. I'd heard it was a good book. I've been I've been reading, uh, and I watched the movie Into the Wild. Now I understand more about you know, the ambitions of this young man, Christopher McCandless, who wanted to go out into nature. Uh, she shunned society. Just kind of wanted to get away. Wanted to get away from it all the trappings of human beings. He felt the call of the wild. The call of the wild can also be extrapolated, in my view, to learning. You know, I had another friend said tell me yesterday, well, maybe we should start up a chiropractic consulting firm because um, there's a lot of those out there and they're, a lot of them are scumbags, man. But yeah, they want to teach you how to be successful and, you know, follow my scripts and this is how I basically indoctrinate a patient to need me. You know, really, all you really need to do if you want to be a successful doctor of chiropractic or a doctor or anything, whatever your profession is, you got to give a shit. If you're in healthcare, you need to care. You show people you care, you go the extra mile, you educate them, you treat them with respect. You're good, my friend. And for 16 years, I've been a chiropractor. I struggled for at least half of that. And things, you know, things were, you know, business, there's been times when business has been at a trickle. And, but once the word got out that, yeah, this is the guy who's going to spend time with you, who's going to help you, who's going to work on you, he's funny, he's engaging, uh, he's respectful, um, it's a safe place for us. Everybody's hurting out there. They need to be, you know, they, they could use some physical medicine, which we're experts at. So... My buddy's talking about teaching people how to do that, like giving people, uh, the young doctors who, or the seasoned doctors who are out there, who um, have been worked over by these scumbags who try to teach you these get-rich-quick schemes or how to sign off your, uh, your integrity and all of a sudden become one of these um, high-volume doctors or whatever, selling people down the river, you know, prepaying all this money and all that bullshit. I could teach people how not to be like that. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but I don't know if I'm an expert at it. It's, it takes work. That's a problem with the way that I think we would teach people how to operate is that it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, this is something where 
it takes a deliberate effort and sacrifice and to throw yourself into your work. Otherwise, get a job doing something else. You know, you probably make it more, be more successful at it. First order of business, you got to give a shit. You got to be passionate about what you do. You got to care. You have to be honest. These are all things that are quite simple, but nobody wants simple these days. You know, they want. I want to be sold something, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, love and respect, my friends. I'll probably have some things to share with you on the way home tonight. I'm going to title this podcast, Call of the Wild. What does the call call of the wild mean to you? Think about that. What are you called to do? What are you called to do? Do you have a calling? Do you have something you really like to do? I talked to somebody this morning. I said, three years. Woman's a nurse. She, home care nurse. She spends, you know, she, she works weekends. She works holidays sometimes. And she's like, ah. I said, yeah, aren't you going to be bored? Are you going to retire? You really want to retire? Yeah. It seems like she won't have a problem with it. And maybe she won't. But you know, I've been asking that question myself. What would I do with all my time? I would certainly fill it. I would have to stay out of my head, you know? Because that's certainly where the wild things are. I need a focus. Uh, right now I'm looking at my grizzly bear. His hand raised up. This shit's almost done, man. I mean, I got a lot more detail to put in, but I really like how it's turning out. Can't wait to give that to my friend, my marine buddy. All right, I'm going to go eat lunch and take a nap. Have a great day, my friends.